I was searching and searching for what I have today here all this time and men and drugs. And all the time had these kids still waiting for their mom. But God, this was all God's plan and, and all for his glory. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Race and Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, then this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anybody else who might be encouraged by it too. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Today we're talking to Chrissy Reitschneider. Uh, after years of being in bondage to addiction, sex work, and just the shame and guilt that that comes with, she is now sober, married, and working as her own boss as a caregiver, which that alone is enough to just give somebody out there hope that there's more for them in this life. So thank you so much for being on the Raise the Redeem podcast today, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me and being so patient with me. Um, to be able to make it here and make it here on time. You've been a sweetheart in that. So um, I'm so glad to be here and see um, what God can do and use me and my story to touch others. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. And I know that you have a pretty big TikTok following. So you've done a lot of your healing and recovery uh, in the public eye, which can come with both, you know, the feeling of support and maybe also some scrutiny. So I'm just excited to hear sort of what that journey has has been like for you to hear your testimony from the beginning. Uh, maybe some of your followers from TikTok will be tuning in today. So just maybe things that you wanted to share with them and just to to fully paint the picture of your story and how God has redeemed your life. So I'm excited to have you here. I guess we'll just jump right into it. If you wouldn't mind starting uh, from the beginning, how you grew up and how you sort of got into drugs and the sex work world. Okay. Well, um, I am 40 years old, so I was born in 1983 in Cape May, New Jersey. And, you know, my childhood is very um, uh, cloudy. And I like to believe that God um, blurs that out because it's a lot of bad memories. And I also believe it's trauma. Um, That's why you don't remember a lot of stuff. So my childhood is very blurry. But um, I remember I lived with my mom and dad, me and my brother. I had an older sister from my mom's previous marriage. She's eight years older than me. And so she didn't live with us at that time. I remember my first memory that I can remember of my father and I was probably four or five and he was teaching me how to braid hair, my own hair and French braids. So that memory, I just love because that's probably the only positive one that I have as a child 
even as an adult until present day. Mm. Um, my dad was a drug dealer very heavily. Um, I think I was about six, seven, maybe even younger. We were living in um, a very nice apartment because like I said, my dad was a drug dealer. So we lived nice. He never was abusive to me and my brother or my mother ever. One Another memory is I went into his black Monte Carlo with no T-tops and I was sitting in the back seat and we went down to the gas station right down the end of the road. And he, this African-American gentleman got in the passenger front seat with him and it just breaks my heart because this memory is all I can remember is he took a screwdriver to this gentleman's throat and threatening him because I guess he owed him money. And not shortly after that, he ended up going to prison for quite some time. I believe it was about 12 years. So my mom didn't have any help. And we ended up moving in my aunt and uncle's home down at the boardwalk. And that's where it got really bad. Um, we started getting sexually assaulted by my uncle. I think I was around seven or eight. I'm really, it's really hard for me with memories and I'm grateful that I don't have a lot of those memories. Um, and it went on for some time and until my sister, my older sister pulled me aside one day. And I remember so clearly that she kind of just put me up on the side of the wall with my back to the wall, not aggressively, but just like, I need your attention. And she said, is uncle so-and-so um, touching you? And I didn't say anything. And then so she kind of broke down and told me her story that he was touching her. And she said, Chrissy, we've got to stop this. You've got to step up and be the bigger sister and protect your brother. My brother's three years older than me, um, three years younger than me. And so he was like my little best friend. So we ended up doing that. I had to go to trial. It was really traumatizing. And luckily they did put us in therapy. And so um, we ended up obviously moving out of there. My mom got an apartment. We moved to Florida and my brother was acting out, you know, a lot like aggressively taking kitchen knives and running around. My mom worked full time. So I kind of was the parent and I couldn't handle him. So my mom just love her. God love her. She just kind of shipped my brother off to my sisters in New Jersey. So we went from the Florida to New Jersey and he was a handful there. I wasn't there very long by myself before she couldn't deal with me neither. Shortly after my brother got shipped, I got shipped to Georgia and I haven't seen my father or he had a new wife and everything. Now we lived in New Jersey majority of our life except this short amount of time in Florida so when we moved down here to the South, when I tell you culture shock, not only was I going through trauma, oh my goodness, culture shock. I've never seen a pasture. I never dealt with a cow. The language was so foreign to me coming down here. So when we moved down here, um, I was traumatized. We lived in a shack in the woods. It was just something I've never done before. I never lived and my dad was extremely abusive. He was a different man than I knew him before. Um, the drugs were really heavy. And I was very quiet as a child. I think I just still was dealing with the sexual abuse. And about the age of 12, 13 is when I started like 
finding attention in men. And a lot of them were older than me, like a couple of years older than me. And I would find security in them. And I had an older boyfriend. He was like three years older than me, but he kept me away from home. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's when my whole like men using my body kind of thing came about for me. And at the age of 17, my, my stepmom at the time left my father and my I remember my dad was so abusive. I just can't. He was verbally and physically more to the females. I was 12, 14 years old. And I was just so tired of the abuse. I I was a very quiet child. Mm -hmm. So I went to the dentist to get some teeth pulled. And um, I had some pain pills. But I wasn't taking them to get high. I was taking them to off myself. And my dad found out. And I know to this day he's so ashamed of it, but he gave me a 30 off six shotgun and, and told me to off myself if I really wanted to. And so there was no love and compassion from my father nor my mother. And you know, it, it was it was it was sad. Um so at 17 he was abusive and I just was like I remember he was about to hit me and he was taking he wore a lot of rings. And so he was gonna take all his rings off and I said you are not gonna lay your hand on me anymore and then that next day I ended up calling DHR. Quick announcement here if you're enjoying this episode please help us expand our reach by liking, subscribing, leaving a review or sharing it with a friend and now back to the episode. Let me back up a little bit. Um, from the age of 12 to 17, my stepmom's parents kept us in church. Like that's where my foundation with Christ started. Okay. Um, I remember I was 12 years old when I heard the first name of Jesus and, you know, I got saved, but I, I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't understand it. I just, you know, we were in a Pentecostal church. Now, not the Pentecostal churches where it was like the long hair, skirt, snake kind of thing. When I talk to my Pentecostal, that's what they immediately think. We were more into uh, speaking in tongues, like loud praise and worship, jumping up and down, like falling out in the spirit, yeah. very loud. Um, so I, we were in church day in and day. Like every time the doors were open, when Pentecostals have revival, it's for days and hours and that was my comfort place like I'll never forget like that's where it started for me um I had just made a TikTok about this my last cold turkey detox God was showing me visions and memories of those days and that's he was like this is where I want you to be back at so I'm grateful for those years so at 17, I went in foster care. They separated me and my brother, Tony, but we promised each other we would stay in contact. So I was in foster care at the age of 18. I had like my first, what I thought was first love. And I got pregnant and I, w- I was in my senior year and I was selfish and I was into pageants and proms and homecoming queen and I was like, I don't want a baby because I still want to do this and I still want to do that. Like it wasn't even a it wasn't even a question. I had no guidance. I had foster parents that loved me and they did great by me, but it wasn't what I needed or should have had to help me in that decision, I guess. 
Yeah. And I did that decision. I had an abortion. Um, the boyfriend I had was not even 16 yet. Wow. And the the um, wild girl, I was going to say another word, thank you, Jesus. The, the wild girl I was, three weeks after that abortion, I went and I cheated and um, I got pregnant again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and it was a one night stand. So that's how my now 20 year old came about. Okay. You know, I was drinking heavily because I just had an abortion. I got pregnant and led this boyfriend that I had um, to think it was his up until I think I was seven months pregnant and I was feeling just convicted. I wasn't in church or anything like that. Um, my son was about three months old. We had a DNA test, but we knew it wasn't the boyfriend. So obviously we, we broke up and I went downhill and drinking and partying and just sleeping around a lot. Yeah. And I just couldn't take care of him. And I, this is probably the first time I'm going to say this out loud to anybody and Lord just guide me. Um, I resented that child. I resented him because what I thought was a perfect picture, all I wanted was like a normal family when I was little. And that was just a mom and dad that worked, that didn't hit on you, that didn't do drugs. That was what me and my brother thought was just, we would idolize our friends that, you know, had that. And I didn't have that with my first child and that, you know, it was my fault. Um, and I resented him and I wasn't being a mother. So I decided to let my dad's, what was adopted mom, who I didn't even really even know, take adoption okay. of Riley. And I went on about my way being a whore. Sorry, Lord, forgive me. Just okay. a train wreck. Then I met my first husband and we got pregnant with my first one. Um, now I was dabbling and uh, my first hard drug was methamphetamines um, when I was 17 I, and I liked it, but I knew how to stop back then. You know, I got pregnant with my first daughter, Dallas. Um, we got married. We built a house together. Perfect. You know, what I thought was perfect. Yeah. And then my dad got arrested again. I'm busted for trafficking and he was all over the news. And I came from a small town, so everybody knew everybody. And something in me at that moment, just I, I can't even describe it. I shut off to the world. I was a full-time mom and housewife to two girls. And because this time I had a second daughter, we planned my second one. And I... I felt alone again. I felt alone and my husband worked all the time and somehow methamphetamines fell flat in my lap again. And when I tell you it from zero to 10 in a short amount of time, like a few months, I was doing meth and they didn't know. No one knew. They just thought I was really OCD, I guess. I don't know. I was very clean and I had insomnia anyway. So I mean, my mom was doing it with me. I'd pay her to watch my girls. And I didn't know how to be a mom. Uh, I, I I didn't know what it took to be a mom. I tried. And I guess now that I look back at it, my mom, God love her, I forgive her. You know, she kind of just disposed of us too when things got tough. Yeah. 
And it's still hard today to say like, yeah, I just, I just left or I just, um, but if I could save one person's life or uh, their regrets from like my story, I pray that I can. Yeah. But I drove up and I just left my home, my husband, my kids. Mm. And I went head first into becoming a stripper, left the town to come here to a bigger town. And my life went from good to hell and very fast. I was dancing um, not even three months and then I started um, selling my body. For some reason, I say it all the time, when you become a dancer or a stripper, it kind of goes hand in hand. You're going to get offered something. You're going to meet somebody and you're going to get offered money. And especially when drugs are dabbled in there. So I was drinking heavily, very heavily for uh, about a year. And then the Xanaxes came. So when you start doing all this to your body and you don't care, you got to numb that. You got to numb it. And it was bad. And yeah. So um, then I met my third husband. I like marriage. What can I, say? I I was searching and searching for what I have today here all this time and men and drugs. Yeah. And all the time had these kids still waiting for their mom. But God, this was all God's plan and, and all for his glory. Yeah. Um, I met my husband in the strip club and he was um small drug dealer and oh I thought he was just gorgeous and moved in with him and got pregnant with Kipton, um, my third child. And oh let me back up. Right before I met him, I got pregnant with a friend and ended up having another abortion. Okay. So shortly after that I met my husband and got pregnant with Kipton and things were good. Um drugs were still involved. I was popping pills but I wasn't in my mind doing anything really bad. Yeah. So when I got, when I had him, when I went to labor, I had um, drug test. They drug tested me, and I had uh, failed for pills and benzos. So they they took him away, but they gave him to my husband at the time's nanny because she lived right down the road, and they were going to give me a chance. And so I had to make sure I could clean my system out and get my butt in line. And I did. I did for about eight months. I did. And my husband got really bad, heavy into drugs. And it was chaos. And then um, he had an affair. And I ran again. Okay. When stuff gets tough, I run. And my prostituting got worse, really worse. and I met another man. Mm-hmm. This would be my fourth husband. And um, he was he was abusive. And we were doing drugs heavy. And he was a manager of the strip club. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was always in our face. And um, when, for me, drugs and sex, like, were great. And uh, I would buy prostitutes for us, or I would buy prostitutes for him to be in the room while I just do my thing. And that's when I realized, what well, you're crazy. Like, you are a good woman. What are you doing? Um, and left him. Actually, he, I made him leave, and I stayed because I had the money. I was rolling in money, and money was going to kill me. So 
that's when I found the needle. I didn't find the needle until years down the road. And um, that's when I got my first uh, drug arrest. I had seven drug felony arrests. It got so bad after the second arrest. That's when it, it realized I was an addict. I, I didn't think all this time, these years I was an addict uh-huh. until I was arrested and I had many car wrecks. Like, you have a problem, Chris. Like, you know, yeah. so my sister and now my husband, which was my, he likes to call us up back then, sweet and low daddy, but it's a, it's a joke. But he, you know, he was, he was, a, he's been in my life for 10 years. Um, I met him at a club, but we'll get to that. But um, they did an intervention on me. He was put, he put me up in a real nice apartment and he said, if I didn't go, he wouldn't pay my bills. And, you know, I had men taking care of me to make my life easy. So I only went because it was in California and Laguna Beach and I was very high maintenance. I'm still in. <laughs> and I went, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't understand what it was because I didn't care. You know, um, I didn't last very long. I think I lasted six weeks. Um, I got in a fist like someone was making fun of me for being a prostitute, you know, just another excuse to get out. Um, got back here, didn't stay very long and just started over again. You know, the prostitution, the drugs, overdoses left and right. I don't not glamorizing, but it's just I was a train wreck. I mean, train wreck. I had overdosed a total of four times. Yeah. Overdose a total of four times, um, seven drug arrests. Um, in the last four years, I realized I, I needed to, to get this right. You know, I went through, I think it was four or five rehabs, but I went through a faith-based one. And today I wish I would have did it right because it really would have did something for me, but I'm, I'm grateful for where I am. It was God's plan. But if I would have put in what I would have put in, but I, I met a girl. I mean, I was full lesbian for about four years okay. um, because, you know, men, it was all men's fault. That's why I had to yeah. go, you know, I was just searching and searching. Yeah. Um, just a broken woman, a broken little girl. Um, so when I realized that I cannot do this, I didn't want to do a rehab. I didn't want to do a detox. I wanted, I know this sounds crazy. I wanted to put myself through hell. So I remembered it. And um, the first time I tried, I did it here in this home and, you know, it went okay. But then I went back and relapsed. But my last time I had my own apartment and um, I got arrested, of course. And I just sat in my living room floor by myself and I played Christian music all through my home for about the three, four weeks that I detoxed. And I just went through it. I went through it with prayer. I did go through some psychosis. I was going a lot of spiritual warfare as this God or as the devil. Like it was, it was, I don't recommend it necessarily because it's very dangerous, but it was scary. But I think it was the best thing for me and in my journey was to go through that because of who I am today. Now, <clears throat> I was about a year solid, clean and free of any illegal illicit drugs when my daughters came to me wanting to be in my life. And that just flipped me, like triggered me, like, oh my gosh, a lot of stuff came up in my mind. Satan like just attacked me yeah. and I wanted to go use. So, um, 
I decided, thank you, Jesus. Like, okay, to be frank, real and honest, I knew if I went back to the methadone clinic, because I had, I did, I didn't tell all that, but I went to the methadone clinic like twice before and suboxone three times. So I knew what methadone would do. It would take that craving away instead of me going and putting a needle back in my own. So that's what I opted to do. I, I, but I had a sponsor. I hid it. I lied and hid it from everyone. And this was shortly after this was the time I found TikTok, but I was, I got on methadone and I did it right. I did it right for the first time. Um, I started off slow. I had a wonderful counselor and all this time for about a year, nobody knew my friends, family, I hid it because I was ashamed because of the stigma that was on it. And then um, I got with Jim and he was like, let's, you know, we, we decided we were really going to do this, be together because we tried in the past and it just, it didn't work. He wasn't my type. He wasn't bad enough. He was too good. Or, I mean, we had some issues. We did. Um, and so I had to tell him and, and Something and TikTok really helped me too. Um, I came out on TikTok and told everybody, and that was life changing for me. When I tell you complete freedom through social media, it's crazy to say. I don't, I don't like doing the white lies anymore, or, or anything like. When I see that my story or, or how I'm just so real and raw and honest has helped people. I would never have thought me being who I am on social media would, would help me grow as a person. Um, I think it holds you to a level of accountability too, when you start sharing with, with the world and like now other people are watching you and like, maybe they're going through recovery and you're like, okay, I, I got to stay strong because I know I'm an inspiration for, for these people staying strong. Exactly. Exactly. It, it definitely holds me accountable, especially when I did tell the truth about the methadone. You wouldn't believe how many people were in my DMs like, how did you do it? Like, I'm in the same place. And it made me sad because would they, ra- would they rather have you in the grave or have you on a little bit of methadone? Okay. It, you know, it's just so much stigma. I'm here today. And I ended up at stopped at 70. And then I started my taper a year ago in March. and. My reasoning of getting off is because for me and my spiritual walk, I want to feel God completely. I don't want to be on anything. Now, I don't want people to take offense to that, but I want to feel him fully. And I do, but I'm, I mean, come on, let's keep, it's a narcotic. Yeah. You know? And I have had that spoke, like God's been speaking to me, like you you need to get off of this. And I, you know, that's where my journey is and why I'm trying to, you know, be a whole testimony to somebody. This episode is brought to you by Raised and Redeemed Merch. We all love a good crew neck, high top sock and oversized t-shirt. Am I right? Head over to the show notes from wherever you're listening to order yours and support the show today. I just want to pause for a second and just tell you, like, 
uh, like I was holding back tears that whole you know first portion of your story and just like you said like you were just a broken little girl and you had been seeking a savior through drugs through men through money just like running and seeking this this savior and I just I don't know I just feel so much compassion and I know that's like you know God's love in me that I know he feels that for you like he I know he was hurting right alongside you just waiting for you to come to him and just that he's so proud of you and and where you are now and um yeah I just want to say thank you for sharing that and for just being as raw and real with everything that you did go through and like you said at the strip club how you know one thing leads to the next and you will be presented opportunities for this to go deeper and darker and it's really hard when you're looking at that much money to say no to that especially when a lot of times girls who end up there you know they are running from something or recovering from some kind of trauma or you know they feel like this is their only way this is the only place they have to go the only way they have to survive and so it's very common i think to say yes to those little compromises and end up adding more layers of trauma. And then what I see from there is you need to drink more and do more drugs to cope with what you're now doing. And so it's just a really big spiral effect. Um, And yeah, I keep thinking about your kids as you're telling this too, uh, because I told you a little bit how you remind me of my mom, just my mom like has a similar story too. And And she's still running and she's in jail again. And, you know, I just like I love her so much and I just want to see her get clean so bad. Um, And I also know that you telling your story today is an opportunity as well to share your heart with your kids. Um, I know, you know, that you're still working out the redemption of some of those relationships. So uh, just like keeping that in mind, too, that they might be listening you know, they might be listening to this as well. It's hard for to, to, to explain to them, like, this is all God's plan. Um, and it's it's also hard not to hate myself, too, you know. Yeah. Um, they're grown up. They're not grown ups, but they're adults, except the two, you know, my two oldest ones is 20 and then 18 and then 15 and 12. My 12-year-old and I, we have a very close relationship. But even still, he told me last weekend that he still resents me, you know. and what do you do to that? You just live it out. You know, I can't make up for it, but um, it's hard. And and when I say things like, I just wanted to be honest, you know, like this is, this is truth. And they know that God is restoring me. And I, it took me years to stop controlling it. And, um, you know, putting drugs in my son, because that's why I continue to use. I was like, I'm, you're a piece of crap of a mother. You abandoned your kids. You don't, you don't know. All of this, it just kept me using. And then when I got clean and free of all that, you had to deal with that. And then they came back around. And then my oldest daughter found my TikTok. And that was hard because in the beginning, I was saying, I was speaking a lot of um, S work, sex work, and, you know, just things that she didn't know about. Um, so I'm trusting and believing God to work it all out. And his all this is his, his plan. And I know I keep saying that, but I have to tell myself that. So I'm not in control anymore. You know, I still want to be there 
but it, it might be years down the road. And I have had to accept that because they're, some of them aren't ready. Yeah. And there's, you know, I, I forgave my mom instantly, but I didn't do, she didn't do a lot that, but I also have Jesus in my heart. Not just, Jesus is the center of that. So that's what I was going to say is like, I have other siblings who are not, they do not forgive our parents. They don't yet know Jesus either. Um, and I feel like that is what has allowed me to forgive my parents is because there's a verse somewhere. Um, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And so when mm-hmm. you feel, you know, that God has forgiven you and he loves you, even despite your flaws, in spite of your flaws, that it helps you extend that same grace, you know, to others. And something I know too, is like, I didn't think I was going to repeat the cycle. I didn't think, you know, when I was young, I was like, I'm not going to do anything my parents did. Like I'm going to do things way different. And next thing I knew, kind of like how you said, you didn't know you were an addict until so many times like being arrested and getting in car accidents. Like I was doing the same things my parents were, but I still didn't think I was anything like them until like, I don't know what it took for me to finally look in the mirror and see, oh crap, like I repeated the same cycles um, that they did. And then that's another thing that helped extend, helped me extend compassion and mercy onto them. Cause I was like, oh, wow, I understood the Bible and how like things get passed down generationally until someone breaks the cycle. And, and I just like was able to understand like they carried it on from their parents and their parents from their parents. And like, this is a big thing we're coming against. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy you say that because my dad is in prison again. We love my dad. No, for real. He he had a a um, life sentence plus ten, but God did this. God, he was only um, sentenced to two years with twenty years probation. So he's he'll get out in February. But when I tell you, I had to be the mother to him and me and my brother. And it, I I laugh about it, but I literally had to switch roles, and I realized it made me feel and put in the position that my kids are in, or like someone like dealing with an addict and I have to financially take care of him. But I also have been able to find so much grace in this situation. Like that's why I, I love God's plan because it always comes back around. You're like, okay, that's why I had to go through this. Or this is why I'm having to deal with this. Cause I do get frustrated sometimes dealing with someone in prison, but boy has God transform that man because he literally was the walking devil and we have a beautiful relationship today so i know this relationship can be restored and he can and that's why i have faith in me and my kids so i know you're still working up to the point in your story where um you fully came back to jesus um so i don't know if you want to take off you know, where you left off with that. Yeah. I'll let you. Um, even through my addiction, I always still had that faith. I would be driving to go pick up drugs and I would play Christian music and I would be praying. So, cause I was sick. And so I always had that there. Um, so that when I came back around and got clean and my husband is the one who was like, let's get back in our church because he knew that was my just foundation. That was where my happy place was because I would always talk about my childhood and that part. And I started going back into the church and I go to a church where it's one church, but like 25 locations in the South Alabama. 
and they have what we call freedom group and a lot of churches have it arc of the arc churches and it believe it was an eight week program and it's freedom it's exactly what it stands for freedom from anything you don't have to be a drug addict you don't have to, but you go through this whole program and then you have like a two-day convention and I learned a lot in that and I completely like surrendered. Like it was beautiful. It took some time and I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go back to, through it in August. I think August. So I know a lot of people who go through it more than once and they need, they found something else I need freedom from. Yeah. Um, so the whole sex work completely free of that um, drugs. I am, I will stand here today and say I am healed for me and this drug addict or ex drug addict. I couldn't go a day without being triggered, like using, and I have not had one thought of that, even on my taper. So I know in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And people might think that's crazy, but I'm believing God can do anything. You have faith enough that he can do it. I promise you that. Um, So I went through freedom and, you know, when you give your life to God and you surrender completely, the devil comes at you. Cause I used to walk with him and I was like his best friend and I did all the good stuff for Satan. So um, it attacked our relationship too. You know, I won't speak too much on my husband's issues, but he had, he had some issues and he needed freedom from, and you know, we met me in a strip club. And so he had a, a corn problem. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it struggled between me and him. Um, I wasn't finding attention that I needed, like, a, you know, and and we decided before all I found all this out that we were going to save ourselves because I never did that. I never did what I should have done. And I was like, that'll be beautiful. So that we were doing that before we got married. And then that that head came up, that ugly thing came up and it pulled us apart and I was feeling unloved again back to that little child and so I had backslid and nothing nothing to where I couldn't come back from but I was lost Um, you could look back on my social media videos and see just by a video like something's not okay with her Um, but it just takes something like even small that would throw me off track yeah. And we went through premarital counseling. And there was a couple times I was not going to be up Miriam. I mean, I just, I did not want to settle because I knew that I wanted a man who loved Jesus, if not more than me, yes. and worship him and honor him and, you know, lead me, not me be the leader in the home. I didn't want to be that. So we went through this premarital counseling through our church and it changed some. It did. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go through with the marriage. But again, I still was not in a very good place spiritually with God, mentally. I wasn't feeling like I was getting, but I was okay, God, I'm trusting you, you know, even though I was backslidden. And what I mean by backslidden, I wasn't reading my word. I mean I I can't listen to secular music. I cannot because it immediately switches. I don't know what it is. It brings me back into what I call like a dark hole. So I was listening to secular music. Um, I was thinking lustful, doing lustful things, Um, just being really 
not a Christian girl. Um, just really stepping out. And I got, we got married and, you know, something had, ha- something happened and um, I kind of came clean with him about it. And, and I know this was God because he didn't flip out. He didn't want to leave. He didn't do anything but other than love me like Christ loves the church. Like he loved me. And that's when I realized, okay, Chrissy, you can't change him. This is the way he is and God's working through him. Not on your time. Again, it's my time. You don't get to get satisfaction immediately like you always were used to. Mm-hmm. Getting money, all this. This is my, if you want to hand your life over to me, Chrissy, then you are going to do it like, like, like I planned it out. And wow. something was like, okay, okay, God, you got it. And yeah. so I did. And I, when I tell you, when that changed, our relationship changed, my relationship with God, like better than it ever has. I, 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 I just am in, am in awe. I, I can't, yeah. I shouldn't be here. And then how many chances he has given me? And on top of this man, how many chances he has given me? Mm-hmm. You know, our relationship is like great. Yeah. And when I wasn't even going to be here with him, it's a journey. But that, that's when I knew God was like, you are not going to get everything you want. So patience. Yeah. And completely trusting in God. Amen. Yeah. And I love that you shared this because isn't it like the devil to want to rob our testimony for one, you know, and, and for two, it's like when you struggled with the spirit of lust, especially because like, this was probably the hardest thing for me to let go of um, becoming, you know, becoming a daughter of God. Like that was probably the hardest thing for me. Like it wasn't it wasn't the drinking, the drugs, all this stuff, as much as it was like lust and acting on lust. And that was my biggest addiction. So then when I got married, that glory bumps when you oh, said that, because that girl, I know. Oof. Yeah. And that's tough. And so then when you get married, that's like one of the, if not like the biggest, no, the second biggest leap of faith you could take on earth, like the first biggest leap of faith is, you know, giving your life to Jesus. And I think the second is uniting your life to another person, knowing it's forever. Um, And so I just feel like that's so normal for the devil to want to come in and like, you know, try to steal that from you and like cause all these issues. And like, we definitely went through that too. And, you know, the same thing that your husband went through, my husband struggled with that as well. And, um, you know, it's just crazy how, especially like, when you're used to sex in a worldly perverted kind of way, how it's a whole new learning process of learning it in God's oh, way. Oh my goodness. Yes. And then also, like you said, like God was teaching you, like you're not going to get this instant gratification of everything you want right away. Like year one of marriage was so tough for me. And I'm going to have my husband on the podcast. I think by the time this episode goes live, maybe our episode will have gone live. Um, Because it might be the first one for season three, but I'm going to have him on to just share how tough year one of marriage was for us because we struggled so much. And I remember like going to my church groups and talking to these women about it. And just luckily, like I had older, wiser women to kind of speak into me and 
you know, I had one woman kind of like rebuke me and she gave me a book about learning to pray for your husband. And she's like, like, grateful, like be grateful for that man. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so convicted. Like instantly I was convicted. I'm like, you're right. Like I need to be praying for him, not like complaining about him. And man, that like changed my perspective. And gosh, like, I know that God gave that man to me, but then it's like, everything in me was trying to doubt that and sabotage it and run from it. So familiar. Sounds so familiar. Yes. Yeah. And so you got to fight past that and remember, like, hold on to your gift, hold on to your promise because yeah, I know that whole self-sabotaging, that whole running, like I know that cycle. And when you've done it enough times, you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to keep doing this. And throwing away everything I've worked for, everything God's given me. So good on you too for like sticking that out and staying faithful, even when the devil tries to challenge, you know, your sobriety and your marriage and just anything else that he's obviously going to try to throw your way. Want to dive deeper with the Raised and Redeemed podcast? We now have a Facebook group called the Raised and Redeemed Community, where you can join to discuss the episodes, share your testimonies, and find encouragement from fellow like-minded, born-again Christians. Find us on Facebook. We do have the Raised and Redeemed podcast Facebook page. And once again, we now have the Raised and Redeemed Community group too. I hope to see you there. Something I notice in people who especially struggled with addiction, drugs and alcohol, is like this this really heavy spirit of guilt and shame that just like follows and plagues and tries to rob and steal everything, relationships, like new opportunities, everything. How are you learning to combat that? Like has, I'm sure it's maybe, I don't know if it can ever fully go away, if that's one of those consistent thorns that will just keep you pulling close to God and like in his word and remembering what he says about you. But like, what are your ways of like, do you recognize it when that's happening? Uh, How do you... (laughs) Absolutely, I do. Um, I think in the last year, it's been so much more easier to realize that for me, there is not probably one single person on this planet Earth that doesn't have something that they could probably hide in a closet and be shameful for. And honestly, through TikTok and sharing my story, it has made it turn into a butterfly. I love butterflies. I love them. And so my shame and guilt to me was like a cocoon. And like, I kept it like that. And then being able to just tell my truth and story and not even necessarily so much be ashamed of it because it's made me who I am really as cliche. It made me who strong independent loving I love people today um it rarely ever comes up shame and guilt the hardest issue is the kids you know but I I just I literally know that God has it all planned out I think my family probably has more trouble with the shame of of, of me of my past than I do I I just I don't live there anymore I don't I don't and I don't want to be like you know 
it's such a breath of fresh air to be able to say, I do not care because that person's dead and gone. Um, yes. I can talk about it today. It's, it's complete freedom. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. God is only God. Um, yep. Does it, do I lay in bed at night and think about it? No, I don't. It in the last year it has been just lifted from me. I literally that suffered. That was suffering, and I didn't want to live like that. Yeah. And growing in this relationship with my husband, and finding out who I am as a woman, because I felt like a 13, 16 year old child up until a few years ago, and so I'm still growing into this beautiful butterfly that doesn't want that shame and guilt to close me off. Wow. If that makes any sense. So it does, yeah. And I remember like when I was young feeling like everybody could use my story against me. Like I felt like everybody was able to like like I went through a lot of like slut shaming at school and different things like this where I felt like everybody else was able to use my story. And so when I finally did start speaking it for myself, I realized that I was like taking that power away from them because I'm the one exposing it now. I'm the one talking about it now. And then when you're living from that redeemed place, like you said, I'm not that person anymore. You're not that person anymore. So you can talk about the things from the past and not feel it. And, you know, I think, well, you know, sometimes you still feel it, but the more you share about it, the more you heal um, emotionally. So you can get to a point of sharing about it without feeling that guilt and shame because you, like you said, you know, you're walking in redemption. That's so good. Hard to say, like, especially when you're on social media, well, I don't think about it, or I don't have regrets, or I don't live there because I always have to remember the people I did hurt, like my kids. But I, I just pray that one day they'll 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 see that you know, mom don't live there anymore. She's a totally different person. If I still live there, y'all, I would be dead. If I still constantly let the Satan use my shame or my passing in there, I wouldn't. I would be dead, y'all. And I love who I am today. So I fight that. If it comes up, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I don't, you know, I joke about myself. I make fun of myself. So you don't have to, basically, like you said. Exactly. Nobody has anything to say about me that I haven't already said about myself. Right. Right. (laughs) I probably said worse. (laughs) So another thing I love is that you are a caregiver now. You're your own boss. you know, that's, that's amazing. And so many women that, you know, were lost in sex work for so long, like, maybe they feel like, you know, they don't know what they would do. They don't know what they could be good at, or how they could make money or survive or provide for themselves or all these things. So how did you build the skills and confidence to be able to do this? Well, it kind of went back to when I was married, my first husband, Um, his grandmother got stage four lung cancer, and they needed someone to take care of her. So I, I had a I had a good job back then. I was a receptionist at a car dealership. And so I quit my job and I moved in and I was a full-time 24-7 caregiver that never done it before. And something inside of me, like I was born to be that kind of lover carer. And I took care of her for three months, day in and day out, everything you could imagine, up to the point of helping her pass away comfortably. And that stuck with me up until like it was 10 years down the road and something was like, Chrissy, like get out of stripping and be a CNA. That's a small start. Cause I always thought you're not smart enough to do any medical school. You will never be able to be that. And 
So I went and got my CNA in uh, three months and I wanted to work in the hospital. There, I honestly just think I was born with that kind of heart. You literally have to be able, you have to have that kind of spirit. You have to be that loving and nurturing person. And as strippers, okay, or prostitutes, we like to make somebody feel good, whether it be on the inside or the outside. And so I took that, who I was, the 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 nasty evil part of myself and turned into a positive. And when I tell you I do it for Boris, I do it for Boris who are my family's like, did you eat today, Christy? Did you did you brush your teeth? Did you take care of yourself? I kind of gotta go overboard. And um when I take I just fall in love with that person or the job. And um to the point I don't take care of myself and my mental health gets in the way. So I, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a CNA. Because I get this question a lot, like, how did you do it? You don't have to do a CNA. Some companies will hire you without it. They just want to know a little bit about your personality and if you can handle that. Um, they are always in need for caregivers. Yeah. CNA helps with the pay, obviously. <clears throat> and you can get your CNA in six weeks, sometimes even shorter. So um, that's what I do. And um, now I work for a private person now. I'm just the full time but I'm actually transitioning out of there like I'm not been working because it's again it's my mental health it's 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 not not the job it's the the client and the family they weren't respecting me and so I was never home too that's another thing with caregiving it's a kind of almost a 12-hour job or longer so it was affecting my relationship with my son Um, I might as well have been back out on drugs because I wasn't at his games and so but it's it's a heart. You have to have that kind of heart. You have to be able to be like, okay, I can, I can change a nine-year-old person's diaper or patience. Oh my gosh, you have to have patience. And I, I love, I love human beings. So, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I, I think a couple important things you said there was, um, like, for somebody who's listening to this and like maybe reflecting on what they once loved or what they were once good at, and realizing too that God gives us certain giftings and you know Mm -hmm. satan will hijack that and so when you were doing sex work you were using your gifting your god-given giftings you know for the devil's kingdom but then when you were redeemed i really believe that those giftings can be redeemed as well and then you just apply it to something that's more serving of the kingdom so yeah and that can be that can be anything so and when, yeah, when I got free of the drugs, it, it came it put back, God brought it back up and I love doing it. It doesn't have a lot of pay, but it's rewarding inside. And um, I'm still on my purpose. Like, what's, is that my purpose? You know, 40 years old. I love that job. So I think, I think it's a great job if you have the heart and, and the patience it's it is so it is very rewarding to meet the most sweetest cutest people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, my husband says he'll be like, yeah, my husband's twenty one years twenty one years older than me. Oh, so that's what for me. Yeah, so he's like, you'll t- you'll change my diapers. I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying to do that. Man. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't bring it up yet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I love too that you know he was he was your your sweet and low daddy. And then God redeemed that as well. And like, now he's your husband. Um, there's so much there, but I feel like the, another, oh gosh, that's a whole nother story. Well, yeah. you have to have focus on there one day. It's, it's something. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know if you see that very often. I mean, at least for me, when I was in the industry, 
like all those guys that I got money from, I never wanted to see ever again. So. Yeah, he was he, he was my best friend, you know, and he never judged me. And he had lost his wife a couple of years prior to meeting me. And so we were kind of there for each other and he was there for divorces. And um, and I put him through H-E-double-L like I did. And so I know that's why it's, God placed us together and he has grace and mercy for sure. Uh, it's definitely a story. We thought about writing a book about it one day. So uh, that'd be that'd be awesome. I could definitely see that selling because that's an. I do want to see the one thing that people think about is like, oh, she married her sugar daddy. Like, oh, he's got money. No, because I I I, I say it on my TikTok like I probably had more money when I was single, but even though I was doing a lot of bad stuff, but I don't. And marry him for his money. I married him because, for one, God, God told me to, and he's the most least judging person. Even my ex-husband said would still judge me, and he takes me for who I am. Um, I don't ever want to even know about no money, no accounts, and none of that. Like that's I, if if I was there for his money, I wouldn't work. Yeah, it, just hurts. it makes me upset because he's he's older, or he you know he has a very good career. Um, but if he was you know thirty years old and he had a good career, would someone say about it? But it's probably it's mainly because I'm where I met him, and you know I don't ever want to be ashamed of where I met him and where God has brought us because I know God's still going to do something amazing with our with our story in the future. Yeah, that's kind of the double-edged sword of of the online world. It's like, yeah, you get so much support and upliftment and accountability, but then there's also, you know, the trolls who will come on there and, you know, send all the hate and say things like that. So, yeah, I'm glad that you could share um, your truth behind your marriage. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. God redeemed that relationship. So I have two more questions. Yeah. Um, so the one is... And I don't know why I feel called to ask this. I kind of shared, you know, what mine was, but I'm curious, what was your hardest thing to let go of from your old life? Money. 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 Because I didn't have it when I was younger, you know, and I thought young, and when I was young, money bought happiness, money bought happiness. And I didn't have to work at all. I'd pick up the phone, text a daddy. And I would have thousands of dollars in my account. So when you have money, you can buy drugs, you can buy whatever you want, you know. So money was one of my hardest things to let go. Um, when I got with Jim, I was honest with him. I was still doing um, OF. I don't know what we could say over here, but I was in, in the business of doing that. Okay. I was not stripping anymore, but I had only quit stripping probably a few months before we got when we got together. So, and I had some daddies. So I had, I was still hanging on to that. I was clean and sober, but I was still hanging on to that. And so I wanted to be honest with him. And that was really hard. Even when I told him the amount that was coming in and that held on a lot and I guess the second thing would be less yeah terribly like yeah mm -hmm. so when I wanted to go get a normal job it was important for me to 
be able to learn how to budget just whatever amount I'm making. And even though today we're connected to the same accounts, I don't even like seeing it because I'm trying to grow up. I'm growing up and money still is a little bit of a problem, but not where it used to be. Like I used to think that I had to have money to be happy, but now I know and it's very important for me to tie, but that's a whole nother thing with my marriage. Oh yeah. It work out, but I've, I've been tithing for about a year, my check, but that helped me to, to, to humble myself. Um, yeah, definitely. So. I hear that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that too. And you, you kind of mentioned a couple things like how, how you had dreamed of having, you know, the husband that's all, you know, praising and wanting to give and like all these things. And I had the same I had the same heart and desires. And so I went through the same thing with my husband. Um, I think it was in Exodus when, where the Bible says, you know, when we give one day, when your kids ask why you explain, because this is what God delivered me from. And so Mm -hmm. when you have such a blatant Exodus story, you're just so grateful and like you want to give. And like, this comes from such an overflowing place. And so I've had to learn grace, you know, with my husband and other people who maybe don't, aren't ready for that, that maybe there's still something yet for them to receive before they're really ready to start giving in that kind of way, that full, that full way. So I'm always praying for God to just continue to reveal himself to him and just so that he's just overflowing, you know, and that was a big step for me to realize like, oh, maybe my husband still needs, maybe there's still something he needs to receive and in his heart. So (laughs) without sharing too much. (laughs) I understand. Yes. Um, Just remember it's God's in control. Exactly. Not what we want instantly, but I'm with you, girl. I want him up there, you know, but I don't, it's okay if he doesn't. Yeah. It's okay. (laughs) We, you know, I, we have just, we have to do it from the right place though, but that's a large amount for him. And, He's having a hard time to be able to that whole faith thing and the whole trust thing. Yeah. Get there. Amen. Get there. We will. That'll be a that'll be another part of the testimony. So, okay, so the last question I want to ask you is if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell her? Oh God. I mean, I, I made a TikTok on her a while back. I don't really say I have any regrets and that's hard to say because it it might hurt some people but if I have one regret I wouldn't have another regret you know but I wish I would have gave my life sooner fully you know to Jesus and um, maybe not been so naive and buckle down and be prepared Um, I I probably would have said you're going to need you're going to need to learn how to ask for help Chrissy because if I think back, if I would have just asked for help, like when I was struggling in the beginning of my first marriage, I didn't have a backbone. I I think it goes back to just, you know, abuse. I didn't have a backbone and I didn't speak up. I just would probably say, you know, learn how to speak up, ask for help and fall into God. Um, it's it's just always hard for me to go back and think 
what would I have done differently or what would I have said? Yeah. <clears throat> well, another way to like think about it too is like, you know, the kind of women out there who are still struggling with maybe some of the same things. And so like what you would say to them is kind of the same thing that you would say to your old self. Um, and I think that's great advice mm-hmm. that you said. You know, and, and it it's hard for me to accept that not everybody believes in Jesus and he's the one true king. And because I don't want to throw that down their throat, but in a way I do, because that's the only way you are going to get free from anything and everything is Jesus Christ, yeah. our Lord and Savior. And until you give your life to him, your life is going to be the way it is. Yes. And you're going to live in chaos and, and, and loneliness. And I think if I would if, if I just if I would have just accepted Jesus and, and trusted Him fully, it's a lot. It's hard for a lot of people to trust Him. You know, you can't see Him, but He's always working for your good. Even though you're going through some rough times and if you feel alone, He's not there. And you're doing some awful things. I promise you, He's working out your plan. You just got. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to Him. He created us for a relationship, and to be able to completely trust him and and know that it's he's got you like yeah I I, start, I can't stress that enough when people are like how do you how do you just do it and I'm like you just I guess you have to go through some things you know yeah. and and realize that he's always there and it's not always in your timing so yeah and then if you don't know what that fully means um I like how you, how the freedom class was such a big part of understanding for you. Like, because a lot of people may think, you know, I do know Jesus, but they're still struggling with these things. Well, you got to also know your enemy and know how he's trying to steal your life from you with these different things and ways of thinking and substances and, you know, stuff like this. So freedom class is so important as well. And that was also a big part of my journey of getting sober and stopping with the sexual sin and all those things is because I was like, oh, wait, if Satan is telling me to do these things, I don't want to do these things. <laughs> right. You when I was in the strip club for all those years, they would, those, those Christian ministry women would come in and, and see us and just love on us. And so I go back and I look at that and I'm like, God was there. He was there. Yeah. Look at these little times when he was there. You're never alone. So if you're going through something like this, or you're, you know, if you're in the industry and you're in, you're on, on drugs, think of, think of the times that you had a, a blink of like um, happiness or love or peace. Like he's there, mm. and it doesn't. It, it takes now for me to be clear with God and to go back and look at all those awful times if I can remember. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was him. That was him. Because when we get to heaven, we'll just know. We'll just know why we did one. We'll just know the minute we get there, they say that we will know why we had to go through everything and or show us like when he was there with us. I'm ex- so excited for that. Like yeah. I get over to it. Like I, a high for me today is like the thought of being in Jesus's arms and I don't have to live and sin anymore. I don't know. I just get, I'm so hype about it. Oh, yeah, I love that. Me too. So the last the last thing I want to ask you is um, if you would just tell people where they can find you. And then if you wouldn't mind saying a prayer for the listeners and um, absolutely 
Yeah, the kind um, of is what we're talking about here. I forgot my name on TikTok. I mean, I know my name, but I always get, uh, so you get me on TikTok <laughs> under Chrissy period, the T-H-E period redeemed. Yes. And then um, I also have an Instagram. I post there some. Um, well, Lord Jesus, help me. Okay. It's Christ period in period Chrissy three Chrissy C-H-R-I-S-S-Y. Um, and also, I if you want to, I don't really check my DMs. I'll be honest with you. I don't check my DMs that often in TikTok, but I try. So if you if you really need to talk to me, um, there is a link in my TikTok where it has my Facebook, and I check my DMs constantly there. So um, you can add me there, and I I, I add everybody back so they can you know communicate with me. Awesome! Thank you so much. Oh well, yeah, I I, I want to say thank you so much for for. I'm not, I'm just be honest, you you asked me last year to do this. Was it last year? I think so. See, it, it was God's plan. Like I wasn't ready, obviously, but I was, I was just putting it off and putting it off and just not in a good place like at all. And so it was just a perfect, perfect timing. So I, I apologize again. And I thank you so much for being so patient with me, but I will uh, say a prayer um, for all of us. Lord be with me. <clears throat> Dear Holy Father, we just, we come to you, Father God, and we just thank you for being able to sit here and Share my testimony, Father God. Lord, I just ask that you forgive us for our sins, known and unknown, Lord. And I pray that anyone who's listening that's going through this right now or anything tough um, in the industry or, or addiction, Father God, that you you show them who you are, Lord. That you wrap your arms around them, Father God, and you just love them through it, Lord. Show them their purpose and plan, Lord. They might feel so alone, Father God, but we know you're out there, Lord. I ask that you watch over us, Father, that you send people in their in their path, Lord, that might just be able to witness to them. Plant that seed, Father God. I thank you for what you've done in my life, that you're using my testimony. I thank you for this podcast, this beautiful soul, Lord, that she's doing so much and helping so many people, Father God. We thank you. We honor you. We worship you, Lord, in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to have you leave a review and share it with a friend. All information on how to stay connected with the Raised and Redeemed podcast can be found in the show notes below. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.